and welcome to No Stairway, a podcast about middle-aged men making mixtapes. In each episode, we take a theme chosen at random and using the musical knowledge and playlisting skills only years of procrastination can hone, we build playlists for each other and you, the listener, to enjoy. We meet here on the podcast to discuss our selections, rubbish each other's questionable taste and add tracks to the now legendary Golden Shuffle, our attempt to creating the greatest shuffle list of all time. This is the playlist of the best selections from each episode, as voted for by ourselves, and surely better than anything the unfeeling robots at Spotify or Apple can imagine. The rules of No Stairway are very simple. Rule number one, all playlists should be of album length, like in the days when mini-discs were king, and CDs were a recent and glorious, if fading, memory. We judge it to be 20 songs or 80 minutes, whichever comes first. Rule number two, no artist can be repeated in a playlist. Rule number three, there is no stairway to heaven. As usual, all three of our playlists for this week are on Spotify, and you can find links in the episode description or on our website at nostairwaypodcast.com. My name is Carl, and I'm a middle-aged man who makes mixtapes. Hello, my name is Tim, and I'm a middle-aged man who once got a free sample of Just For Men hair dye, which I've never used, because it was auburn, and I'm a strawberry blonde. Hello, my name is Bill, and I'm a middle-aged man who recently gave a sample, and against all the odds, the results came back negative. This episode, we are looking at playlists featuring songs which are sampled. But first, let's take a look into our mailbag. Bill? Uh, Yes, we've had a couple of messages, and one really perked my interest to start off with, and this is from Al the Canary. And he was asking us all about the preferred listening style to the podcast, because we've obviously got our own three playlists and we discuss those. And if you're not clear or sure what the song is or what it sounds like, would we recommend our listeners pause and listen and come back to the podcast or listen to all the playlists first. And I thought it was an interesting idea because I hadn't really thought about it because obviously we we approach it that we listen to our own, create our own, go on to each other's for a week or so and then talk about it. And obviously the way that we are presenting the podcast to the audience is that it's exactly the same, really. We publish those three playlists and then publish the episode. So I think it's rather flexible in a way. I think that's that's the nice part of it, that you could do either. You could listen to them all and then approach the podcast. If you've got three sets of 80 plus an hour or so, free, or you could do it as you want it. I don't want to be demanding on the audience, but I would say you need to listen to mine in its entirety first before before you start talking about it. I mean, I do, uh, like, even things like like the order of the tracks something i take quite a lot of time over so i would help hate for someone to i mean i'm sure al is dipping in and out but i mean i I would hate for someone to dip in and out and miss miss some of the connections i make there because um you know tim you're the same right there's a there's a narrative um at play sometimes you might miss if you're just doing the odd track well sometimes most mostly they're gimmicks though aren't they not 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 so much narratives like if it's a gimmick, if it's a gimmicky one, it doesn't matter. Listen to it next week or, or, or you know, next year, it doesn't matter. Tim, did you just cheapen your own playlist gimmick? Is that what you just did? Yeah, absolutely. Get in there before somebody else does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just putting my jaw back in after you just said that it was a gimmick. I, I think um, people can play it by ear, but yeah. if, if if you're a if you're a true believer, I think you listen to all three playlists. Um, you make your notes and the following day just repeat, you know, you go over your notes and listen to them again. And then when the playlist comes out, sit with your notes and then you can go through it and, and compare notes with us. Yeah. I think, but otherwise if, if you're just a casual fan. Don't make any notes. Don't, don't make the notes. Just listen to the songs you like and uh, pro- pro- just, del- just delete the podcast, I guess, really. Okay. If you're not, Keep yourself you're not, to yourself. You're not fussed. Just do what you want. Yeah, yeah. The next question that I got was about a suggestion for a topic, and mm-hmm. that was about film soundtracks. And I did actually chat with it. This was a message from KL over on Facebook, and that was all about um, – I did ask quite specifically, are we in about scores? Because, in fact, we've all used a part of a score, actually, at some point in our playlist, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, or a soundtrack, because they're two really different things. 
and she clarified soundtrack. Um, but I also know that there is on our Steelers Wheel of Fortune, there is um, best tracks that promoted a film because, in fact, that was one of my suggestions because I think it's a dying art. I think it's mm. something which doesn't really mm. happen. Whilst at the end of really big movies, still there's a, a track by a pop act, but mm. there's no music video with it. You know, there's not all the big release. No, and I do really think that's something that that's missing from a lot of cinema now, where there's that. It, sometimes it was really, really poppy or really gimmicky or something like that. But sometimes it was a great song. It was really good. You mean like the tie-in single? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also got you interested in the movie yeah. as well because it had stills and scenes from the movie cut in with whoever the artist was that was, yeah. you know. So it was almost like an extended musical trailer, wasn't it? That was it, yeah. And I, uh, I used to quite enjoy those when I was a kid. I thought they were quite fun. Prince with Batman. Yeah, and that was, that was you know, very, very uh, ambitious, that one, wasn't it? And Seal with Batman. That's right, yeah. yeah. Was, uh, I mean, we're, we're obviously, if that comes up on the Steelers' wheel, you're, you're ruining all your cards here. So leave, leave that to the side. I'll only um, use songs that promote Batman films. So are we, <laughs> so are we, are we agreed that with that suggestion, should we stick to our guns or do we want to open it up even further? No, I, I think there are two completely, I think, um, tie-in singles for films yeah. is, is one genre, but I think the best of soundtracks clearly is yeah. a separate, okay. it's like a separate right, area. So, so we'll drop that in with the Steelers. Well, well, tune in. Okay. well I, I add that in for this week. Yeah. Can yeah. I clarify on that though, by soundtrack, you mean a song that has been used prominently in a film? As long yes. as it features within the film, a, a person who does that uh, quite heavily is Quentin Tarantino, for example. Yeah. 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 So as long as it's in the movie at some point, and it doesn't. Sometimes they're in the movie and they're not on the CD soundtrack. That might be a bit of a. That might be something to delve into. Yeah, yeah, it has to be in the movie. Right, awesome. Right, that's the that's the the male fun bag for today. Right, uh, let's go on to our first playlist, and today it's me. Oh. So, uh, my I entitled it. Original samples, making new songs with scissors and glue. Um, I was trying to come up with, you guys always come up with little snappy titles and I wanted to give this one, because I don't usually, I just give it the, the broad title of the episode. I've noticed um, that actually. I, I was going to ask you why you always did that. Yeah. Um, I just like to keep things in order. Just keep things nice <laughs> and orderly. My playlist library in my Spotify is quite haphazard with a variety mm. of moods and genres. I really like this topic. I thought it was really fun because I like to identify samples as they're being used. I do it for a number of different reasons. I've even got an app on my phone which identifies them for me and all sorts. I find it really fun. It does wind up my other half quite significantly when I go, that's the same damn chord sequence from this song. They've just sampled it and so on. And then I get really obsessed if they've credited the writer and all the rest, which I'm going to come back to in a little bit. So I start off with Big Beats, Billy Squire. Nice, big, punchy number to open up. Obviously sampled by Dizzy Rascal. Great number, really liked it. Bit of a chiller straight after Bill Withers, Grandma's Hands. And then into Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. The next one, Ike's Mood Number One. This, I think this is what, this track, I was hunting it for years and years when I was a kid because it was coming back to a Quentin Tarantino soundtrack, actually. Jackie Brown soundtrack. And that song, I would just rack in my breath. I couldn't find it because the internet didn't exist and we were, what, 15 or 16 when that movie came out. Great movie. Uh, great movie, yeah. Mm. And it took six or seven years after the fact for me to find out where it was sampled from. And even then to try and find it on CD at that time, say 2001 or two, it's quite difficult. I think it was out of print. And then once I'd found it, 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 it stuck within a lot of playlists that I've had. And it's a great tune. I want to do something freaky with you, which is not a statement to you guys. That's the name of the song. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that, number I almost kind of sums up a lot of these tracks these really kind of funk and soul tracks where a lot of them were probably about as explicit as you could get in the 70s and then when they've been sampled later on they've been made more explicit by the person that sampled them same with I'd rather be with you Bootsy Collins great track Labish Schiffer I was saying that right Labish Schiffer Schiffer yeah I think that's right I got the 
this has been sampled loads and loads. It's obviously, the most famous one being Eminem, but it was sampled by uh, Wu-Tang Clan in the early yeah. 90s, amongst others. And I didn't realize until I kind of dug into who the guy was because I kept on seeing the name. I was like, I know, I know, I know this, the writer for some reason, the artist. And I did, you know, three, it, it was three clicks away, it always was. And he wrote the Key Stage 2, Key Stage 3 banger. He wrote the song, Something Inside So Strong. No way. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, he wrote seven or eight albums in the 70s. He's from London, still lives in London. You, sorry, you mean New Orleans? No, yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a <laughs> British guy, well-educated, multi, he plays a lot of these instruments himself. And he nailed out these awesome albums. And if you go into the album, actually, it goes into a lot of different genres. He wasn't satisfied that he just sat within the funk and soul genre. He, you know, there's a there's a track in there which is a, it's got a beautiful brass arrangement. Another track which is almost like a country piece, and so on. The second track on the album, yeah. You know, I was like sat there thinking, I'm listening to Cat Stevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and the album's yeah. awesome. The whole thing starts finish. It's fantastic. I thought it was a compilation when I, because I, 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 I deep, I deep dove it. Yeah. And um, I, I thought, oh, this is not all him. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a compilation. And yeah, I look at it, it's, oh, yeah, it is him. Is it like Libby Sifri Presents or something? Yeah. But no, I, had to, I looked at it like twice or whatever. But yeah, yeah no, it's, it's him just doing every genre. And then he went into retirement late 70s because people essentially were just covering his songs so he wrote and he originally recorded it must be love madness covered it it was a big no yeah yeah all these tracks My god yeah yeah and then 85 there was all the apartheid stuff and he was like no i need to write a song for this so he wrote something inside so strong global wow. it blew me away but then there's a track a little bit later in the album where it's the same chord sequence where it goes bomb Ba-bam. So he essentially just raided his own his own pantry. Oh, if you've nailed it, why try harder? You know, just uh, yeah. dig it out again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then into the Childlights, Are You My Woman? Uh, Beyonce, yeah. obviously. One track which really perked up my ears was this Barry White track. It's actually when you lay down next to me. Robbie Williams didn't just sample it. He just took the entire the entire instrumental and just wrote a new song over the top of it. I prefer the Barry White version personally. But I, I like a bit of Barry White. I think, I think he was a very clever guy. The Walrus of Love. And then the next three are my more ambient, um, very kind of out the way of the norm. So you've got Nine Inch Nails, Kraftwerk, and Enya. Guys, what do you think of the Enya? I love Enya. I, did, I didn't love Enya until I heard this. Um, I thought it was strange that you went with that order. And you went with, the, I understand the Nine Inch Nails, bring it down yeah. a bit. And the craft work seems to be more upbeat. And then Enya's yeah. down again. So I, I found yeah. it a strange placement. Well, I, I did play around that trilogy quite heavily about which way mm. around. And I wanted something yeah. which then would, the Enya going into White Rabbit work better. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it does. Mm. It does. Yeah, well, I did a massive uh, Enya deep dive. Yeah. Um, just because I thought uh, Enya is uh, an artist that, Alan Partridge loves. Yeah. So <laughs> it's impossible for someone like me to love. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that Enya uh, basically is uh, is is the boss. <laughs> you can't mess with Enya. You know she's incredible. Um, and I didn't get it before, and then but now I to I totally get it. I don't really understand um, where she's coming from, but but I'm, I'm I'm totally into what she's achieved with it. You know. Apparently, she just sits in a castle in Ireland with a, this huge recording studio in it and a load of synths and just boshes out an album a week and just decides if she's going to release it or not. It does sound like that, doesn't it? It's mm. a, you know, the, the album, The Celts, sounds like it's been recorded in a castle. I totally get it. It's like some sort of contemporary electronic folk music, isn't it? Yes, almost? yes. Um, but no, it's, it's really powerful. Um, and I think um, much better than uh, what the sample uh, did with it, it was a uh, Fuji's. Is, uh, I assume is the, is the reference. I originally put the Fuji's on. You know that's a sample. No, it's just it's just a cover, which then they sampled the Bodicea onto. Mm. Um, so I ended up with that one almost by pure accident, more than anything. 
Um, White Rabbit, Jefferson Airplane, which was sampled by the Sugar Babe. Oh, right, of course, yeah. That Lady, uh, Isle Brothers, which was another, just like the Barry White track. Lifted wholesale. Yeah, wholesale. Lifted the whole thing, yeah. The entire track, pretty much. I think there's a few extra licks on it, but it's the entire backing track. The next track's the same as well. Stevie Wonder. Total rip-off. Bill Conti, going the distance. And then, as usual, put an encore at the end. Ray Charles, I've Got a Woman. Actually, I've gone back to this list many times. I, I enjoy listening to this recreationally. This is just more than more than just a, just a, a playlist that I've done for the show. I really like this one. I've really enjoyed it. I must say, actually, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed all three, actually. There's been some some big moments. They've been good this week. They've been yeah. good. They're all good, aren't they? I think it's it's because of the types of songs that people tend to sample, isn't it? Well, they've got to have a hook because they always sample a hook. It's got to be catchy. So everything yeah. that's been sampled has got something to catch you somewhere, hasn't it? And also, it's if you want to speed it up or slow it down, it can't transform too much so for example i know we've given kendrick lamar a bit of a bit of a push there but it is faster on his version it doesn't sound that much faster but actually if you put the beats per minute together it is it is quite a bit faster but it doesn't sound it in isolation you don't think that that there is that much of a difference but again if you transform it too much you lose that spirit of what the sample is but there is that level of songwriting there which you could argue just isn't around at the moment and the art of sampling a lot of the people that then took the sample probably did it between what the mid 90s onwards for a lot of my songs anyway maybe the early 90s i mean i know i quoted um uh wu-tang but that wasn't the track that i was referencing but the quality of songwriting that comes across especially across all three lists is very very high and it's quite and it's very very original as well I think one of the points that I was going to pick up in um, when talking about my playlist, I may as well do it now because it, it fits in, is I think with a lot of modern day sort of like hip hop producers, there is more tendency to use samples from things that are more recent, like Kendrick Lamar does, for yeah. instance. He's, he's all over the place, but there is, there's a lot more sort of like sampling things by contemporaries nowadays yes for example you had the mf doom track yeah that was pretty much it was recorded by daedalus and then straight after it was used by mf doom Mm. so they were both contemporaries of each other working at the same time but i think that happens a bit more now doesn't it yeah and i i think actually especially within hip-hop there's there's two streams there's the people who keep it very very old school and and sample things which they hope that nobody else has ever sampled and then guys who then on the other side who sample very very recent things or do still take the older stuff and and then morph it quite heavily and there's mm. the, there seem to be two camps which i still i think that's quite interesting in itself it is an art form in itself it's very difficult it's not an easy job i think my problem with the whole thing is and this is kind of my thesis throughout my entire list that i don't think anyone ever took a, a substantial sample and made a better song at the end of it than what they started with, really. You know, oh, it might be, oh, it's, it's difficult to do well. And you're like, well, it is difficult, but, you know, it, sometimes it's so difficult to get the thing to go right that maybe you should just, I don't know, come up with a lick on a guitar yourself rather than trying to sample something. You know, just do it yourself. It's, just, it's not hard to play a guitar. In some ways, it's harder to sample a good guitar lick. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why not? I don't understand why these people involved in the, in the kind of music that relies heavily on samples why there's such like to start a song find a sample so well why why are there these genres of music that are all sample led when you know they're, they're more than capable as they show you know with the things they do with their sampling they're, you know they're brilliant musicians they could just they could just make original music you know yeah, otherwise you just don't get a synth out and do it you know yeah and that's an interesting idea i i was thinking about that why have they just taken an entire backing track and just come up with something well, else over the top. I mean, I don't think Coolio was a master musician, you know, if no, I'm not qualified, no. I think Coolio is a thief. As long as Robbie Williams, you know, <laughs> but, um, but you know, the, but there are people who have sampled things on this list who are genuine musicians. Yes. And I think they can do better than, than what they've sampled. You know, they can't beat the track they've sampled from with what they come up with, but they could, you know, it's because they're, they're constraining themselves so completely by relying on the sample. And I, I think actually it's a lot of those artists, because they've got the money 
to have that sample released, they'll use it. Whereas if you look at really modern hip hop where they are trying to create something new and with the sample, it might actually make the track a bit better, but they don't have the money behind them to do it and it'll sound garbage. There's the difference between somebody who's artful who will also have the savviness to be able to get the sample released and then create something new. You know, there's that fine line between being an awesome technician, being an awesome business person to get it released and then be a musician as well on top. And I think a lot of hip hop does use a lot of aspects within that to try and create something brand new. A lot of people try and define hip hop as being postmodern and it's ideal in its direction. But I totally agree with you, Carl, that there should be something a little bit more original over top on some of the tracks. Not all of them, because I think there are there's a distinct amount of hip hop tracks which they do use a sample and they create something brand new. It's it's absolutely incredible. Oh, sampling's a thing, and it's a, it's a bona fide you know aspect of musical creation. There are some artists, and there are some whole genres that it's, it's always the sample. You find the sample first. And actually, when I was going back and listening to one of our previous episodes where Tim was discussing about electronic music and how he... I can't remember which artist that you were talking about, Tim, where the artist was recording and recording and recording and finding loop after loop after loop. Rival consoles. There we go. That, that's a really similar thing where he was creating his own loops, his own samples. And actually, I found actually, when I was listening about that conversation, Tim, that you loved the music because you loved the process that the composer had gone through. Mm-hmm. And actually, Carl, you, because you were being presented with that notion in itself, rather than it being a piece of music for being a piece of music, you were approaching it from two opposite ends. And I could see both sides of the conversation. Like It's a very difficult process, a very unique process of creating your own samples to create that piece of music. And then, in a way, a lot of fans will get consumed by the process that the composer's gone through rather than just listen to the piece of music. And it's it's that opposite. And we're at that other side of it now within this episode where we are talking about which is better, the original song or the sample because we've had to dig back and look at those and appreciate those differently. And there's some, there's some, if you go back and find where these samples come from, there's some incredible pieces of music that you just, you probably in some cases, you'd forget that the original, that the new version even exists. Well, the char lights are the perfect example of that. Yeah. Listen to the char lights and you think, oh, I thought Beyonce was awesome. It turns out she's just a thief. (laughs) Just 100% thief. And, um, uh, you know, I love um, Lemonade as an album. I'm now, I don't think I'm going to listen to it again, just just because <laughs> of the Char Lights, you know. Once you've heard that Char Lights track, I, I defy you to go back and listen to anything by Beyonce and think she's talented. Because I, th- I think you'd, you, you'd, be, you'd be absolutely gutted. But not only, it's, it's the same thing. It's like... Um, it's not like she took a verse and swapped it with a chorus and took a thing from here. She just lifted a backing track and, and, and sang better than the Charlottes can sing, fair enough. She can sing better than anyone can sing. Yeah. You can't um, sing as low as that chap, though. No, 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 no. Absolutely. But she makes perhaps a, a more banging tune out of it. But she's lifted that backing track, you know, wholesale. Yeah. There's nothing different about it. I mean, maybe the odd... You turn up the drums a bit for modern sensibilities. Come on. Any other comments on my playlist? Uh, yes, I've got a few. Point of order. Uh, that first track. I don't know why you wanted to listen to it, but why did you make me listen to it? It just <laughs> seemed... It's awesome. It's a great opening track. I really liked it. Don't listen to the rest of the album because it's bloody awful. That was, that, that was rough. I, I think considering how smooth and, and lush... Almost your entire playlist was like this uh, soul trip. To, to choose to start with that just seemed particularly hurtful to, any, to <laughs> anyone who enjoyed the rest of the thing. I just, I like, just needed something just to grab your attention. Uh, I would have been happier with starting at Bill Withers. Okay. And in fact, I've listened to the, this playlist all week now. As you say, recreationally, not because yeah. I had to. I'd done my notes. It was fine. Stuck it on in the car. Brilliant. But I skipped that track every single time. <laughs> Every time. I don't know why I quite like it. There's just something about it, which I think, I just find it charming. I had a look at that particular track 
And it's been sampled in over 347 different songs. Is it a particular drum noise they've sampled or something? What is it? It's all over the place, bits of everything. So there's 99 Problems by JZ is in there. Obviously, Dizzy that Bill took it from. Uh, but also, Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears. No, that was it. But apart, apart from that, I, I, I love the rest of it, Bill. I uh, particularly enjoyed the Bill Conti. I don't know where that, where that sample ended up. Do you, do you know offhand it's why you uh, picked it Notorious B.I.G. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with Notorious Big's work, obviously. Um, but that, that track was just just fantastic. I really liked that. And the Enya, uh, Labby Sifri. Uh, obviously, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye. Um, they go without saying that was great but no I, I enjoyed it I enjoyed the craft work craft work isn't someone that I'm particularly familiar with oh I'm familiar with the, the big hits if you like but um, I find them quite heavy going actually heavy going sonically yeah really abstract the track that Tim chose I, I found harder work than the one that you chose but I, enjoy, I enjoyed them both yeah yeah and, the, and one of them's one minute long and the other one's six minutes long and they both <laughs> do exactly the same job yeah that's, that's craft work isn't it yeah yeah but I definitely think that they're worth listening to it's, it's interesting to listen to them and think about how interesting electronic acts have, have structured their songs and their, their work in very similar manners that one that I used was LCD sound system the uh, Labisifra I have to say boys i mean i didn't pick up on that at all and uh, you both had it and i just think that has been the uh, the discovery for me like as an artist from these lists because um I, i've got well into it i, I just think, yeah. i mean that track in particular but he, he's got like you say he's got lots of tracks that you can get into but that is uh, that's fantastic absolutely fantastic the thing that i liked about yours bill i thought like i like it's easy when you when you put in a sample playlist together or something like that it's easy to very much pick the easy ones where Mm -hmm. it's like bang i know that one i know that one it's obviously a daft punk because a daft punk track doesn't really do much to, to to hide the fact that it's stolen a track does it at all but these you know where there was somewhere there were sort of like quite obvious where they were from others it was sort of like you had to go digging and you had to go looking and i like that it required a lot of research didn't it yeah but i i can i like doing that as a some as a musicologist i really enjoyed doing that i like digging into that kind of thing i think i find it very interesting i always have done carl your playlist is next yeah rundown right so my uh again my thesis my conceit is that um no one ever did better um by sampling a track no one came up with a better track after they'd sampled something so what i tried to do and again I'm, i'm no aficionado of samples i don't have the app where i look up samples of songs i don't care about samples if someone's used a sample i'd kind of shrug and go lovely you know i'm not bothered i've become having looked into some of these things i've become more offended about sampling than i ever thought i would be like before we did this playlist, I thought sampling's a bona fide art and the people who do it, uh, you know, are magicians or whatever. Now I think they're mostly thieves and I'd, I'd like to really crack down on them if, if there's any authority listing that do that. Because a lot of, a lot of the stuff I've selected, it, it's just been stolen. It hasn't been sampled. It's, these are stolen tracks, really. Case in point, track number one, Love Sensation by Loretta Holloway, which is... 10 times better than Ride on Time. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Black Box. And it's just, they just ripped off the song, but just got Heather Small to do the vocals. And, you know, and that's it because they couldn't get the rights, apparently, to Loretta Holloway. That's, that's, Love Sensations, 10 times a better song. The same with lots of them here. Uh, Werewolves of London, you know, Kid Rock, who I think is, is sort of criminal number one, public enemy number one, for just ripping off songs and just making them 10 times worse. I would so ask you, he's probably going to be number one for calling himself a musician. <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, if you were, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to defend Warren uh, Zevon because I think he's, uh, you know, dependent on who you listen to, he's, he's a pretty despicable character himself, or he was, he's dead. So if you hear that piano intro, people nowadays will think Kid Rock, who, who's, you know, talentless, you know, where in actual fact, uh, Warren Zevon, I mean, maybe not in this country, but like w- when I was over in the States, like he's, he's big news. Like he, he's, uh, 
he's one of those few artists that crosses over the different sort of radio stations over there. So like a country music station will play him, a college rock station will play him. You know, he really crosses over and, he, you know, he's, he's, he's a big deal. And, I, I, and deservedly so, I think he's really talented and his song's great often really funny. And then someone like Kid Rock steals it and turns it into that, you know, essentially a horrific novelty record. And there's more of Kid Rock to come later, obviously. Uh, Patrice uh, Russian with Forget Me Nots, of course his Men in Black, but also yeah. people who remember uh, Phoenix Nights with his Black Bin Bags. Remember? Come oh, and get yeah. your Black Bin Bags. <laughs> That's what I hear, but, but it's been sampled a couple of times there. And then, yeah, obviously the Char Lights, we all did. And then, you know, some some Beyonce stuff. I, I really sort of started to get into, has Beyonce ever actually written an original song? Because, uh, so we've got the Stevie Nick Edge of 17, which is um, 10 times better than, yeah, Destiny's Child. Uh, Bootylicious, Bootylicious, isn't it? And the Stevie Nick's track is just 10 times better. Yeah, I, I think I live for this track. Full right. on live for Edge of 17. I don't know why. <laughs> There's just something about it where I think it's possibly one of the greatest songs ever written. I think it's fantastic. There is yeah. no human who can hear that come on in, in a discotheque or, uh, or you know, or a, a village fate um, who doesn't immediately get up uh, and start dancing as soon as that comes on. I mean, that that person does not exist. I don't think it's it's an absolute bang. I decided to push the concept a little bit. So with the, the Andrew Oldham Orchestra, that track is bittersweet symphony, yeah. uh, just like a whole backing track, um, but with, with none of the vocals, essentially, because they just ripped it off. Um, just to see, if, well, is it better without the vocals? It turns out it's a shite sight better. It's just better if, <laughs> if Richard Ascroft never opened his stupid face and just let the track play out. It would have been a better song. We've proven that here. But the fact that he tried to fight against them being on the, on the credits for that song just baffles me. I don't know how we was trying to get rid of that. No I know, way. because when, when you hear it, I mean, I'd never heard it before. I mean, I, obviously I knew the story. Yeah. Um, but I'd never heard that um, orchestral version of the Stones track. And then you, <clears throat> when you hear it, you're like, well, that's just the backing track, man. You can't argue with it. There's no way you could argue with that at all. Like, you, there's no way you can say, oh, I, I, you know, I, wrote, I just got inspired by it. It's like, you didn't get inspired by it. You just pushed record on a bloody yeah. tape deck and sang over the top of it. It's ridiculous. Um, but I think that is true of lots of these things. Um, uh, in particular, we've got, uh, there's a couple of, the, the, they're bona fide um, samples coming up, but the, the Michael Jackson, we've got a good thing going, is uh, Justin Bieber just ripped that off wholesale. Um, there's the Yazoo track, which I think was sampled in the Macarena, but it's been sampled like a million times, right? That's uh, all over the place. <laughs> Um, but then, you know, uh, Kashmir by Led Zeppelin, that whole track is essentially just a riff. It's just a riff. Yes. If you then take that riff and start rapping about Godzilla or whatever it was that they were rapping about, you just ripped it off, you know, because the, the song is just a riff. It's just a riff. So whatever you're rapping about over the top, what you're doing is you're just ruining Kashmir by Led Zeppelin. You no, know, just, just shut up and don't say anything and just play Kashmir by Led Zeppelin. Why would you pay someone? You've got a Godzilla film coming out. It was on Godzilla, right? That's why yes. they, they yes. did it. You've got Godzilla coming out, and rather than just say, oh, we'll just put Kashmir on because that's like a Godzilla-ish Godzilla type of song that we could play. Um, rather than doing that, you say, no, what we'll do is we'll get Puff Daddy in to talk over the top of it for a bit. It just seems, that's just madness, isn't it? It's like, just play the original track. It's fine. Because you've got to pay two people then, not one. I don't understand. It was yeah. the original, it was... Featuring Jimmy, um, Jimmy Page, yeah, Jimmy Page, wasn't it? Because yeah. he was, he was on it, and he was in the video. Yeah, he, he was, was in on the video, and I, and I assume wasn't he standing on the on the Statue of Liberty riffing it out? Yeah. So what they do, he get up and he just he just played the riff from 1968 or whatever, and just and then you know several others. I mean, uh, again, you know, Kid Rock, the Nine Inch Nails, same as you had, Bill. I'd rather listen to Thirty Four Ghosts. Um, you know, all day for the next forty years, and never listen to to anything by Kid Rock, uh, even though there's there's no vocals in it, and there's it's it's barely. It wasn't music Kid. But I didn't. I wasn't citing the Kid Rock track. I was citing. I thought Kid wasn't Kid Rock. Uh, yeah, Old Town Road. No, that's not Kid Rock. That's not Kid Rock. Lil Nas X. But wasn't it him and Kid Rock? Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, okay. So you're thinking another oh, trailer guy. I, I'm thinking of the other trailer guy. Okay, well, 
so then we've got, oh, then, so, okay, so I've gone back to Beyonce, Isaac Hayes, which is from um, that track on Lemonade. But it's a great track on Lemonade, but then you think, oh, now it's just been, been re- that, that's less of a rip-off, but I just think, really, did she need to, did she need, did, was the sample necessary? And you listen to that version of Walk On By, and it's probably the best version of Walk On By I've ever heard. Why, why rip it off? doesn't make any sense. Case in point of my, my entire thesis is Walk On The Wild Side by Lou Reed which I know, Tim, you said a lot of singer-songwriter stuff kind of leaves you cold. And I appreciate that. That's fine. But no one can say that you could listen to Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed and then listen to uh, Can You Kick It? Do you know what I mean? And say, oh, well, Can You Kick It really beats Lou Reed. It's like, Can You Kick It? Yes, you can. All right. But why? Why? I don't understand what, I mean, this is kind of the thing. It's like that bass line so simple and that little drum thing. It's so simple. You don't need to sample that. Just play something like that. Anything would fit. Because all you're doing is saying over the top of it, can you kick it? Yes, you can. Just say, why, why pay Lou Reed the money? It doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't. And I think other than the pure theft aspect, that people recognize it from Lou Reed, so therefore people immediately are drawn to it because it's recognizable. That's the only reason you do it, right? It's, it's not for any musical reason. It's just for a promotion, to promote the thing. That's my thesis anyway. So that, that was my whole, my narrative through was just saying none of these tracks were ever beaten by the thing that sampled. I get that point of view, but that genesis, especially of hip hop from the mid seventies out of disco, where it was a DJ getting from one track to another, making sure people were still dancing, then extra decks to have the instrumental versions on, which then would mix between each other. And then an MC would then rap between those tracks to keep oh, people totally. dancing. Yeah. So it's essentially that that notion of sampling just came from the DJ who had the technology to do something else with it and having that creative process of saying, right, we want to keep that rap and this notion with that and be able to keep that layer and use that within a new track. And what originally came out of something very organic became something almost under the microscope. And I think that's the bit that you don't appreciate, Carl, or that you well, don't that's... like. That, that, that to the minutiae of being able to program it to, uh, you know, three decimal places on a beats per minute, so it, it perfectly matches up. This is it. It's the ease that these so-called creators have. That you know, the gut. <laughs> so no. So the guy who's got just the two decks, right? And he's and he's lifting up a needle and he's moving the thing and he's putting it back and he's finding the exact point every time and he's moving it backwards so he can get the same beat again and again. While another guy is then uh, rapping over the top of it, that is like supreme musicianship. Right, I'm not yeah. going to doubt that. Right, and and he's going to do it as good, and then he's going to let the record rest record play, and he's going to find all the, and you can find all the bits. That's insane, insane talent there. The guy who is just sat eating a hot dog in a studio somewhere, who's just clipping bits out on Pro Tools, which is a piece of piss that anyone can do, and they're just pushing it all together, and then just having Beyonce sing over the top and go, "There you go, that'll sell." A million units that's a different thing right there's there's no there's there's so little musicianship involved in that aspect and i know we could have a whole debate over um hip-hop has grown from something that was as you say so organic and so and such a roots music and has grown to something that's so commercial that it's almost sickening and i'm not a huge hip-hop fan and i'm probably not the demographic being a, a middle-aged man right a middle-aged white man that said i do appreciate the artistry when it's done well it's just that ease it's just so easy to make one type of music that say this type of music i've tried to highlight here that relies heavily on samples and it's quite difficult to make other types of music like most of the t- most types of music are very difficult to make and this just seems the most easy type of music that i just i just find it like it's not even, it's even easier than the most simplistic dance music, you know, something like house music, which I think has its place too. But even then, there's an originality in, in lots of it that just isn't in Kid Rock's output or Robbie Williams just lifting a backing track. Coolio, Coolio. And they, st- uh, you know, and, and people still think, oh, Gangster's Paradise, what a tune. It's like, well, it is a tune. It's just not Coolio's tune. What you mean is Stevie Wonder, what a tune. It's just that that's the thing I find sickening, that it, it's not 
changed enough and there's just not enough musicianship on the part of these people who then take quite a lot of credit for what is not a lot of work. I think that's my problem. Certainly nowadays, it's more of a production thing. Yes. So like Coolio didn't didn't write Gangster's Paradise. He just came yeah. along and rapped over it. The producer yeah. put all that together. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's kind of that that skill, I suppose, from a producer's point of view, of finding something that fits the groove, fits what the what the artist is trying to do, and that's that's the skill in itself, isn't it? Yeah, that that was really common, especially in the early mid '90s of hip hop, where the rap would have just been laid down with a simple beat. So it would be, they knew how fast the track was going to go. And then the artist, the rapper, would lay down all their tracks in a couple of days. It would be down to the producers then to create something out of that, finding samples that they could clear. And Which is else. why you got these sort of like super producers like um, like Puff Daddy and Dr. Dre. Is that because, I mean, again, I'm no expert. Is that because they had the clout? to get things cleared. Yes, I think in a lot of cases, yes. Uh, okay. So if you're working with those guys, you would you would get the, the tracks that maybe you had your eye on. You know, you you would you yeah. would get the, the you get the char lights. Well, imagine how much money they would have to lay down for Nine Inch Nails to release that sample or even to say yes, we'll we'll have co-credits on there. It it must have been yeah. an astounding thing. You would hope so. Something that's so ambient and so out there, even compared to the rest of Nine Inch Nails' output, a track that opens up with a banjo. And that's not what you remember from Nine Inch Nails in the 90s, where essentially it was guitars plugged into sheet metal, which then were plugged into amplifiers. Compared to where it is now, it's it's a completely different kettle of fish. A lot of these tracks, I'm, I'm astounded that they got them made. Well, the Lou Reed, you know, I'm really, really disappointed in Lou Reed. Herbie Hancock, can Herbie Hancock be bought? You know, can the estate be bought? If I had written that, you know, you'd have had to have paid me millions to get the rights to it, to, to massacre it, you know. I, I don't know uh, how you guys feel. I, I know you're both more keen on music that involves samples than I am. And not that I'm against it, but I just, I look down on it slightly. Where do you stand on someone like DJ Shadow, who has put together a whole album, or albums, but certainly introducing, where it's just totally made up of samples? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I think, again, it, that's the difference. Like, if, if you can see the work, then, I, you know, I'm fine with it. But I just, I don't like it when, like the char lights, they just, they just take the whole thing and they just turn up the drums and then Beyonce sings over the top of it. Um, and they just slightly order, you know, they change the order of things very slightly, but in essence, it's the same song. That's what I don't like. If, if there's, you know, if it's samples piled upon samples and it creates a whole other thing, well, that, then that's a whole other thing. And there's artistry there. There's work that's happened there. I just can't see the work in, like we said before, Robbie Williams just taking someone else's vocals off and then putting his own vocals yeah. on. You know, it just seems mad, doesn't it? That, that, that then we would say, well, that's a sample. And uh, DJ Shadow, he's doing the same thing. He's not doing the same thing. He's doing something that's much harder yeah. and has required a lot more work. Especially at the time when he was doing it with the equipment that he had to create some like introducing yeah. in what was that, 99, 97? 1997, isn't it? 96, 97. Well, that's mind blowing. You know, that yeah. nowadays that wouldn't, it probably won't take half as long. It, obviously, it'd take as long to find the samples, but to build them up into tracks probably wouldn't take half as long with the tech that he had with a, what is it, an MPC machine? A couple of MPCs, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Decks, that was it. To create an album of that proficiency with that kind of technology is just mind-blowing now. Nobody would ever do it like that anymore, ever. And, and I wouldn't criticise anyone who is doing that level of work. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not saying like, oh, all sampled music is, is garbage because it just depends how much work you can do. I'm saying it allows laziness. It allows people to just lift a whole backing track. And you see that quite a lot. And um, that, that's why, like, these tracks, the tracks I've chosen, I've basically chosen things that, that when they've been sampled, people rely heavily on the hook or, or even the whole backing track or, like, a whole, the whole chorus section or something like that of, of the backing. Whereas I think something like introducing, there's rare tracks in there where you could say, oh, he's leading so heavily on one sample because I think it's more, of a, it's more of a collage. And so I think that there's, there's more to it than that. You know, it's more... 
there's, there's a lot more work involved, I think. And so I'm not criticizing that kind of thing. His later output is nowhere near as high as those first two albums, but that's another conversation entirely. Mm. Uh, Tim, have you got any other comments about Carl's playlist? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, Werewolves of London, it, it was it, it wasn't a bad track. Also I, been also been sampled in a Dexys yeah song as well. I actually wrote for that one that 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 track felt like the odd one out in the rest of the playlist. Yeah, um, it felt like like you had the similar thing with, with my track. One I had a similar problem with your Werewolves, where it it just stood out too far from the rest of the playlist as a flow. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think I put it in because like. It, when when we lived in the states, that was on the radio all the time. That was like a staple. It's like a, it's like someone putting Billy Joel on or something. It was it was like everyone knew that song, and I'd never ever heard it. No. So it was, you'd hear it all the time, and so I became fond of it. But I I appreciate now, having not listened to it for quite a few years, listening back, I'm like, oh, that might actually be dog shit. <laughs> um, but, but I'm fond of it, so I can't tell anymore. So yeah, okay, I'll, I'll just write dog shit next to it. It's fine. I enjoyed delving into the Apache version that you used because that that's been sampled everywhere. Apex Twin samples it in. It puts a sample in probably a hundred tracks. I think by the end, by the time that I end up researching, uh, Richard D. James just samples that track. I don't even know oh, which bit. I can't even begin to think of in what form and the transformations that he's put it through. But he's put it in loads of stuff. Yeah, and I think um, it's interesting because that is, uh, the, the version that's on Spotify is from like a, or the listing is from like a Fatboy Slim album. Where that's Fat right, Boy yeah. Where Fatboy Slim is like, oh, these are the tracks that everybody sampled. It's kind of, uh, or like that he enjoys sampling. So like Fatboy Slim is putting about five tracks. It, that's one of those tracks that gets sampled over and over again. But I think it's just one of those records that it's it's the sound, some of the instrumentation, you know. Yeah. So there's like it's like a sound of a, of an organ, just occasionally, that seems really familiar. And I think it's like, oh yeah, that's been in like a hundred songs. <laughs> you know, you just hear that, like the, the a certain trill of the organ or something. Yeah. And I think they just take snippets out of it um, everywhere. It's the the breaks, the big bit, isn't it? And the break, obviously, yeah. The break, yeah, yeah. It's one of those sort of like well-used breaks, like the arm and break and things like that. Yeah, that's one that's always used by a lot of people. Excellent, right, uh, Tim? Your playlist, please. Yeah, well, I may as well come out straight away and say that I had an absolute nightmare with this one, <laughs> and it wasn't finding the tracks or anything like that. What what I made the mistake of doing was trying to make two playlists simultaneously. So I had a playlist of the samples that we've that everybody's got there, and then I had a playlist of the the track that sampled it. And at somewhere along the lines, I got a bit mixed up and started putting tracks in that shouldn't have shouldn't be in there but just goes to show that when you're putting together a playlist of samples you can put any old shit in and people will believe that it's been sampled somewhere else without any proof because you didn't say anything did you well i was just waiting for you to fuck it up and then just talk to you about it during the podcast to be honest <laughs> i in fact i put this out before i crossed it out instant disqualification of three track i wrote that down i was just waiting for you just not to realize i'll be honest i thought carl was being really kind to you saying you're not swapping them out i'm sure there have been some sampled in something i, I thought it was a power play personally i thought you were like here you go well here's his spot the sample or something like that but like some of them were so obvious like the planet telex scroobius pip you yeah had the scroobius pip in originally and i thought that was um i said you know i remember thinking like why would you put uh, i like scroobius pip fine but why put scroobius pip in over planet telex when again he's just ripped off the entire yeah so maybe you spotted that one what were the other ones there was the kate bush so i put uh utah saints that was in it. there instead of uh, Kate Bush cloud busting. Yep. Case in point, 
the K-Bush track is much better than the Utah Saints track. Better. It is, but if you were at a festival or a club dancing, you'd be loving that, something good, wouldn't you? I prefer the Kate Bush, if I'm honest, but uh, maybe I, I might be alone in that. Do you feel that these errors, Tim, then interrupt your flow? Not at all. Going between the sky's the limit to Planet Telex into Danube incident, that's a, quite a big jarring point between the three. I personally. But it's no jarring than the way that it was in the first place because you've got a very big track in the sense of of, of the Scroobius Pip and Dan Lassac. Because I really like that track a lot, that it was one of those points where you were just pulling it back down with uh, Lilo Schriftnid and that kind of added as like a bit of a buffer. Whereas the, doesn't the planet Telex, doesn't that fade out? It does. And we, and we talked about fade outs the other week and fade outs just really get me. They're a problem for the playlist, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's me nitpicking on, the, especially that, that one. And I don't think that's a great Radiohead track either. So it's just... To be honest, it was a last minute thing. I held my hands up and I changed it. I don't regret it. Fuck up aside, what was the general narrative or uh, or ideology behind it. There wasn't really a narrative. What I did was, rather than trying to find... So the way I approached it, rather than trying to find tracks that had been sampled, I tried coming at it from a different angle, looking for artists that I liked and seeing if they'd sampled anything. Right. So that was the way that I went about it. And then going through the tracks that they'd sampled. So, for instance, obviously... Obviously, I knew that Beyonce Crazy Crazy in Love had been sampled. So that that went in there anyway. Dr. Dre, there's some of them that are sampling, but I went into Kendrick Lamar, looked at that. MIA, Paper Planes, I think is a good song. It's obviously sampled from somewhere, and I didn't I didn't actually realize it was the clash. That's a great song. Yeah. So much better than the and I like the MIA song myself. That is just superb isn't it that clash track it is yeah and i was surprised by that and i suppose you are that probably stands up to your um critique of things eminem my name not that i'm a big fan of eminem but then i sort of like got into the avalanches big fan of that first avalanches album mm. um since i left you is probably one of the best opening tracks and it would have and, and it was for a very long time on the on the opening tracks playlist that I put together. But again, they're like DJ Shadow in the sense that it's all sample you know, all the songs are built up of samples and you know, there's there's a load of DJs there playing them live, playing the records and putting them together. And I think there was a choice of two. Uh there was the sky's the limit there by the Duprees, and then there's it samples the vocal, the Since I Left You, which again is another great track. Got the radio head. Portishead, obviously famous for sampling Isaac Hayes, uh, like everybody did, but I didn't want to go for that one. Sour Times, I thought was a good thing. And one of the things I was trying to do was trying to is try and get as many different types of it's very easy if you're going down a hip hop sort of route to just sort of like stick to those at that sort of like 70s soul and 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 disco things. So Further on, you've got the Niles Barkley track, Crazy, some sort of like mariachi sort of like music in there. Yeah, I loved um, that. That was ace. Really brilliant, isn't it? That. Yeah, it's good that. Yeah, that, that trumpet over the top of it just sailing over the top. So it really complemented that really solid bass foundation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And this kind of sort of like goes back to the album that Carl was like saying about the, the fact that there's now these albums that are based on a track that's been sampled that on Spotify, the al- the version of that song comes from an album that's crazy, the tracks that inspired it. Mm. Yeah. Because basically, you know, he ripped off hundreds of and hundreds of library musicians, basic yeah. work. Caribou, Odessa, Daphne, the Yee Yee songs, both you've got you've got a nice little Indian tune there, and also the Win- William Onyebor tune. Bit of African stuff going in there. That's incredible. That I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, William Onyebor anyway. But the other day I was at work, and um, I'm largely working on my own at the minute, so I can just stick my earphones in and get all my stuff. And I had that up so loud, like I was I was dancing. I was dancing at work and it's like considering when I'm at work, I'm on a low. That's that's the low point of my day being at work. You know, and that, that just that just brought me up from a four right to a ten. This is a big tune. I think that song's awesome. But I think my workplace actually on the flip side of that makes me kind of feel like twelve minutes of it is excessive because I <laughs> I 
in the past I have I've worked with really crappy Casio keyboards with preset drum beats and fill-ins and stuff. And parts of that track, when it gets about six minutes in, I'm like, I just start getting these flashbacks of these shitty Casio keyboards and their preset shit beats. And I just it it kind of gives me that point of just like, can you just fucking get on with it, please? Because <laughs> Essentially, all the ideas are presented in the first four minutes. And then it goes down for the next seven of just a mill of things, of the same stuff. And then he rounds it off again with something that he did in minute three anyway. And it's, That's right. I feel like if he'd have pushed it to six, I'd probably forgive it, but 12 is just excessive. That's, that is how he rolls, though. All of his songs yeah. are like that. Like yeah, I don't think it's African music, isn't it? It's sort of like you get in the groove, you're dancing. Yeah, sure, I totally dance. agree. Yeah, but I I think it's it would do itself more justice if it was just half the time. If it was six minutes, and that's a long song, but twelve is it's too long for something that doesn't do anything else. Well, that was one of the the reasons why I've got uranium by Kraftwerk in there because it's only one <laughs> it's minute. One minute long. <laughs> you have to make those sort of choices, don't you, if you're going for a long track? I, I would say if if you know if we're going to uh, say that um, William Onyebor may, may was a harsh listen because it was twelve minutes, I would say that Kraftwerk song is a harsh one minute. Yeah, you know that's not an easy listen for a minute. So it's not always the length of some. You know that Kraftwerk track. You know there's there's stuff happening there, but it's by no means an easy listen. You know no. I mean, it's rewarding. I think even though it's a minute, it's a long minute. It's a long minute. But what was it used in? Yeah, I don't know. Blue Monday. No. Yeah, because it's the ah. Uh... Oh, okay. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I just thought they had that on a keyboard. No. Like, again, no. just Shampoo. just get it on a keyboard. <laughs> or just sing it. Or do just some singing, sing you lazy yeah. bastards. Yeah. <laughs> just sing it exactly. What's wrong with singing it? So then, Horace, Andy, you are my angel because of massive attack. Both great tracks, actually. I wouldn't want to choose that one. Then there's. Blood and Fire as well, the other the other reggae track on there um, by Niney, The Observer. That's written on the forehead by PJ Harvey from uh, the Let England Shake, which I think is one of the standout tracks off that album, really, as well. Yeah. And then finally, By the Sea by Wendy and Bonnie, which is basically the laziest sample in the history of sampling. It was just basically stuck on the, on the beginning of... Uh, Hello Sunshine, which is the opening track to um, Phantom Power by the Super Fairy Animals. And uh, I love that track, so that's why that I went in there. Yeah, the Wendy and Bonnie is a a really nice little song. Yeah. Yeah, nice at the end. From Calamity, I've I've come up with something that's okay, I think. It's not my best work. I mean, I think um, you say it's not your best work. I would argue it is. Um, (laughs) Maybe for the reason that you, you weren't constrained by the kind of narrative gymnastics yeah. you normally have yeah. you put you put yourself under all this pressure with these extra rules normally and this one was just a collection of songs that you know you like where the sample goes to and so you find a track and then the ones that you like are those you kept and you just put them together in an order that made sense and you put them together in a set that made sense and it i i, I think as a playlist it's, it's one of, it's one of your best for me like the uh the boom clap bachelors i really really love that track i was mm. a bit tit I was teary-eyed at work with that one at one stage last week. You know, the Labby Sifri, you know, we talked about The Clash. It was immense. Um, I'm a huge Kate Bush fan, so the Kate Bush was nice. Um, yeah, I thought the whole thing was, it was different to a lot of the stuff you you normally put together. So, But I enjoyed, like, the reggae you put in. There was some jazz there, you know. I thought, like you say, it went around a lot of genres, and it, but it all kind of fit together. So I think it was... If anything, it's a masterwork, really. There was lots of good stuff in there. I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, I, I came in with it in a similar point where because it was a collection of a variety of genres, I really appreciated that it brought me some left-field stuff, like the uh, Ardil, Sidil and Mill 
That was really good, and I appreciate that that good, that sample used on a on Odessa, and I love that track as well. How I didn't even think about where that had come from before, you know. I, I and I know that's that song really well. I really enjoy it, and I enjoyed the Gentle Rain, beautiful track, beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it's great. You know, they're really nicely produced. I know some people would say it's a bit schmaltzy, but I think it it works beautifully. Those vocals are gorgeous. And the Danube incident, I really enjoyed that as a bit cheeky. Uh, didn't Schifrin, he wrote Mission Impossible, didn't they? What? You mean uh, bomb, 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 bomb? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Nine, yeah, 99% sure he wrote that, yeah. And he, he wrote a few different, a couple of little film scores. Sampled by Limp Biscuit. Yeah, I, th- I think you normally put yourself under too much pressure with, with, with the narration to try and do. And this showed a, a whole new side. And then you end up and then you end up with the gimmicky stuff, as you said right at the beginning. You end up with the gimmicky yeah. stuff, and it's like, well, why has it put this in? Because this is garbage. Whereas actually you you freed yourself of those shackles and you've ended up with something really nice. Yeah, this is all Tim all the time. Mm. No gimmicks. Thank you very much. You're very uh, you're you're very kind. The other playlist is pretty good though as well. Yeah, I did a I did a B sides version as well. I did the same once I was once I got that locked in. I did a B sides of the of the samples, and I've been working out with it. It's been brilliant. I've been doing yeah. my home living room workouts. Some absolutely banging tunes on there. Really enjoyed myself. This is it. But a word to the wise, basically, just don't do them both at the same time. You know, you spin it. I was spinning. No, I didn't do that. Why would you do that? It's an idiot's idea. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> well, you know, this is a, a learning curve, isn't it? Yeah, it was a nightmare. But there you go. It, it's it's worked out. But I would I would pick up now, now that we're talking about mine briefly, I would pick up that there is a track on here that I would argue the original isn't as good as the sampled version. Go on. Help yourself. Okay. So, Oh Calcutta by the Meters. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is a, is a tune. Good I tune, think, yeah. I think we'd, we'd agree. Mm-hmm. But it's the main sample used in One Thing by Amory. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Um, and isn't, isn't the break used in it as well? The break, yeah. The break, yeah. And it's, it, it isn't quite verbatim that they've, They've kind of altered the rhythm slightly, haven't they? And they've obviously they've turned up the drums. Yeah, they've made the, the bass drum a lot louder. But yeah, I I, I really uh, one thing by um, Amarie Amarie is um, like a, a, I'm a big fan of that tune. And yeah, when I heard that, I was like, oh shit! You know, she just ripped it off wholesale as well. Um, <laughs> and, um, but uh, but yeah. Her her track is better. Yeah, I yeah. give you that one. That that is true, and it is a substantial sample. So I guess that that's the exception that proves the rule. I think I would argue that the Kraftwerk does the same. To be honest, because um, you know the uh, I had no idea that was from Blue Monday, which you'd have to argue was better than Uranium by Kraftwerk. Oh, absolutely. Any day of the week. So, but whether that's a substantial sample, I don't know. I'll have to go back and listen to that. <laughs> Our next segment is our Golden Shuffle. And this week, yet again, two times on a row, we get to play the jingle. automatic entry is Are You My Woman by The Chai Lights. Great track. I was no, pleased that we track. all had it. We had so many near misses as well between all three of us. Our Venn diagram did not quite match up. We had some beautiful near misses and it was Yeah, a, a we were shame. close. Um, we were close. But The Chai Lights is on straight on and obviously we pick our own ones. Carl, what are you picking this week? Uh, you see, this is difficult because so I've got a long list of uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, and I don't know because uh, a part of me. So I, pr- I'm probably never going to forgive myself for not putting on Young Americans the other week 
because I convinced myself I didn't need to do it because it would come round again because it's a popular song. And so I went for something that probably wouldn't come round again. So I'm tempted to keep something that won't just pick the best thing, do you know what I mean, that, that I want to go on, um, rather than sort of leave it to fate. So I think I think I'll go for I think I think I'll go for the I was gonna go for the clash, but I think on balance it's fairer if I go for the uh Labby Sipri. Because you both went for that and that that's totally changed my life. Like I'm I'm totally into that guy now. So on balance, I think I'll have to go for that. To be honest, if you weren't going to go for that, I would have gone for it. So that, oh, that see, helps uh, me out. I, I nearly said, "Oh, I'll go, I'll go third, and then yeah. I'll see where you where you like." And then yeah. if it didn't, yeah. if it didn't get on, I could go for one of my others. Ah, but anyway, yeah. anyway, it's fine. It's fine. Well, you both went for it anyway, so that's fair. Okay, Tim. Right. So for me, I think I really liked Patrice Russian, Forget Me Nots, Boudica was a big one the Enya and Just Brothers Slice Slice Tomatoes so I imagine it's probably probably pronounced Uh, but I think there's only just recently sort of like got into this track and I listen to it a lot now and I think you you two talk about the fact that you listen to it all the time and it's there but I'd I'd never really sort of like listened to it before so I'm going to put in Stevie Nicks Edge of 17 in there because it's a track that I play all the time now as well I think Stevie deserves to be in there I'm so pleased that you put that in because I was going to pick that one Uh, but it kind of puts the pressure off because it meant that this track wouldn't go on and it's uh, William on your bar I need that in there yes yeah so I, I really that was on my list as well yeah yeah, it's it's one of those ones that you just can't pass it up because it's it's so ridiculous and it's so good, and even though it's twelve minutes long, you can just it's just wonderful. You do get lost in it, and I, and because we've uh, we've highlighted uh, Labby Shafra and we've highlighted Stevie Damn Nicks because it's one of the best songs ever written of all time. It is, it um, is. How else can you follow that up? And I can't put my own of Bodicea in. So um, let's go with William. That That's a prime set of four tracks there, guys. That's I'm good. Proud of I think proud that's of his best haul, I think. Yeah, yeah. In, in a week. Easy. We must now choose our topic for next time by spinning the fabled Steeler's Wheel of Fortune. Bill, hit it. It's going. There's so many topics on here, you can't even work it out anymore. Um, yeah. We have... Let's get physical workout tunes. Oh, <laughs> okay, done. Oh, okay. Right, there we go. So, so Carl, you um, you looking looking forward to that one? I've, I've well, I've never worked out. Um, I have walked briskly, and and I I have a, a playlist. Uh, of songs that I walk briskly to, so I use that as a as a basis. Okay. I think I think I'll build from there. What about yourself? I think you should see this as a challenge to uh, produce the perfect running playlist and actually go for a run with it and see how you get on. Oh, I could, you wouldn't get past track one. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I could maybe. I could. Being I could run. Gorecki. <laughs> I could make it to the end of that craft work. I think, but then that'd be it. <laughs> if you enjoyed anything that you heard in our playlist, want to share your thoughts on playlisting, or have any suggestions for future themes you'd like us to curate, please email us at no stairway podcast at gmail.com tweet us on at no underscore stairway or leave a comment at no stairway podcast.com and so we reach the end of another episode like the crayon marks on one of grandmaster flash's records we've been scratched away by overuse it's now impossible to know where the sample starts or ends but it is the end this tired old record needs to be retired back to its sleeve. I've been Tim. My heartfelt thanks to Bill and Carl. We're middle-aged men. We made some mixtapes. We hope you like them. Until next time, take care. That was Laura telling me that I was talking really loud. <laughs>
<laughs> Does she not know the art that we're creating? <laughs>